So if you're listening right now and you're kind of like, maybe you're on one side where you totally relate and you've had a lot of dark thoughts, or maybe you haven't wrestled with stuff like this. So you feel like your story maybe isn't significant. And I just want to challenge you that every single person listening, your story matters because you matter, because your life matters. And you were created with a purpose, whether that purpose is to be a mother or a father, or if that purpose is to change the world, you know, with a huge impact. Every life matters and what you're doing matters in your day-to-day life. And so even if you don't feel like you have some dramatic story, quote unquote, don't compare your story to my story. Once again, going back to that comparison conversation, because just because mine might sound more dramatic and you're like, oh, well, she had this crazy shift, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't really have a crazy shift. Your, your story still matters. And it's really just uncovering what your story is and believing that it matters. You don't have to compare it to anyone else's. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Welcome to University of Adversity. This is your first time. Welcome to the family. All you regular listeners, I love you. You guys know that. And if you guys haven't already, please go and hit the subscribe button on Apple. It doesn't cost you anything. It's all free. Just means that you don't have to think about it and the episodes will be downloaded automatically for your listening pleasure. I love that, especially a podcast. So I don't have to think about it, especially ours. It comes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And also if you do get value from it, Leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated and ranks it up so that we sit in the top charts, which means more people see our show. That's the main focus is to get this thing into as many lives as possible. Spotify, wherever you listen to it, it's all great. However you subscribe to that channel, it's it's much appreciated. We're also available in video format on YouTube. So if you like to see all the funny faces we make and you actually like to see our expressions, that's how I like to watch podcasts. Go to YouTube subscribe. It's always greatly appreciated as well. I'm trying to grow that channel. I'm going to be doing more videos about life and about everything. But for now, we're just doing the YouTube stuff for the show, University of Adversity. So it's highly, highly appreciated if you guys go straight over there and subscribe. Today's conversation, we talk about confidence. What does it mean? How do you get more of it? Why do some people have it? All that fun stuff. It's, it's one of those conversations that I love to have because each pre, each person has a different outlook on it and our guest specializes in confidence. Her name is Janelle Linne. She's the founder of Next Level Confident. She's a corporate workshop facilitator and confidence coach that is extremely passionate about teaching women how to break through their psychological barriers unknowingly placed on themselves. Janelle and her team empower specifically in the male dominated industries and give concrete tools to build each woman's confidence muscle and help them thrive. So yeah, we had a great conversation. We talked about what it means to have dark thoughts, self-worth, limiting beliefs, comparisons, and and the five things you can do in your own life to create more confidence. So you don't wanna miss this. We also unpack some really crazy tendencies that Janelle and I both have that may have seemed like a hindrance, but actually have made us better as humans. And you don't want to miss that towards the end. You guys, I really enjoyed this episode. Very organic conversation. Could have talked for hours. 
Um, we're both chatterboxes and we both love to talk. So um, I know you guys will feel that energy come through this show today. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Janelle Linne coming right up. Here we are. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I am doing awesome. Thanks for having me, Lance. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. This was one of those moments where, again, all the juice is coming out and I'm like, man, we got to hit record here before we like get all the good stuff out. So um, I'm really, really excited to have you on and um, we've been chatting and you know trying to get this happening. So really excited. I wanted to start something right now because there's usually the format of the show is I always go into the backstory and I find out about that and I do want to do that. But what, you know, when I do the process of the podcast, I get people to send in, you know, kind of like a bio form and all that. As a lot of the past guests know, I kind of use it as a guideline, but I don't always follow it. I just kind of have a peek at it. And there was something that you said in there that I really resonated with that I want to start with today. And that is how a lot of people aren't willing to share their struggles that they're going through now. It's very easy to say in hindsight, I went through this, I got through this, and I deal with it because this show is all about that kind of the hero's journey, which is very important. But what I find equally as important is the transparency to be able to say like where you're at now. So today, the present day with all the craziness, you know, and you know, the things that we're going through, what are you struggling with right now? And how, what are you doing to get through it? Great question. Yeah. The reason why I talked about that is because I found it to be really inspiring growing up. I went to church. I still go to church, but I would go to church and I would be like listening to someone who had this crazy backstory, right? Like they were doing drugs and they were in jail and then they found Jesus and, you know, everything got shiny and better. And I just remember like I was raised in a Christian home. So for example, I was always a Christian. So I didn't have this like, horrible, crazy past quite the same way, but I was still struggling even though I was already, you know, a Christian. So that's just an example, but I I never felt like anyone was sharing what they were going through right now. It was kind of like, that's where I was. Here's where I am now. And I've got it all figured out. So uh, let me help you figure it out. And I've never liked that style of teaching. I'd rather have true vulnerability and I would rather share crap that's really happening. So Diving into that for me, um, I would say as an entrepreneur, you know, there are so many different struggles that the entrepreneur faces. I would say for me, COVID, to be honest, I don't want to sound uh, insensitive, but it really hasn't been that difficult for me personally, as far as, um, I don't know, like I'm healthy. Everyone I know is healthy. I don't really know anyone who's barely been impacted. Um I've always worked from home. I live in sunny San Diego. I'm like out at the beach every weekend. My life's been still pretty, pretty bright in that sense. But the thing that I think has been challenging for me off and on as an entrepreneur is there are times that I'm so fully aware of my dream and where I'm headed and the big things that I want to do with my life. And then there's other times where I think I wrestle with being like, do I just want a more simple life? Maybe I should just be a Starbucks barista or or something just so simple because something that happens in the personal development world is the more you become aware of 
all the areas you can develop, you, you become very growth minded, which is awesome. And you can become very nitpicky on every area of your life that you're not perfect in or, or you're not growing in. And so there's this constant need to just grow, grow, grow. Right. And, um, so for example, you go to the beach and my husband and I were talking about this this weekend. We went to the beach without a book or without a journal and we were kind of felt guilty, you know, like, oh, I should probably be reading a personal development book or I should probably be journaling out my mindset to make sure I'm getting better. You know, you wouldn't want to just sit at the beach and relax for a few hours. Um, so I think that my struggle is understanding how can I take some steps back and allow myself to live in a simple way and have slowness and have relaxation and be okay with stillness and be okay with really simple things. And at the same time, have a big dream and want to grow into that dream. Um, and, and so I, I wrestle, I wrestle with that, um, that ebb and that flow. Do you think that's because of the world that we live in with comparisons on social media? Like imagine nobody else, imagine you weren't connected to, like all these different people and seeing what they're doing, you know, do you think that has a big reason to be? Because I know that a lot of time, like we're always trying to get to the next thing yet. A lot of the next thing, the, the kind of like the, the model is kind of what other people have done. So we always feel like we're not at that level yet. Do you think that has a lot to do with it? And do you struggle with comparing yourself to other people and where they're at versus like where you're at and kind of enjoying the process? Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, a hundred percent social media is part of it. Comparison is part of it. I think for me, it's like in a weird way, it's less social media for me. And it's more like if I'm reading someone's book okay. and I'm like, Oh, this is such a good book. Like I remember the first time I read one of Rachel Hollis's books and it was, it was so good. And yet it was so basic at the same time that I was like, I could have written this. Why didn't I freaking write this book? And then I, and so I think it still is comparison, but in a different way, mm. it's not like I'm looking at her highlight reel of Instagram, but it's more, I'm looking at her success pieces, like her conference or her book and thinking, how can I more quickly get there? And, and yeah, and at, at the end of the day, it's not finding gratitude for the process. And I know in theory that I, should be finding gratitude for the process, but it's still really easy for me to be, because I'm such a big dreamer and I have such big aspirations. I think the fear is that if I settle, if I like, if I'm too content or I'm too relaxed where I am, that I won't strive to grow or something like that. Yeah, I, I totally get it because sometimes the simple life and just being happy is, is, it's so content, but it's like we always feel like we need to get to the next thing. We always got to be growing and going. And I, I just find myself where I, where I start to lose it is when I'm comparing myself to people like who are doing sort of the same thing and where they're at. But then I'm like, it doesn't really matter because their life is completely different. They're on a completely different journey. And I find the less I try and control, the more things flow. And yeah. I think that is a really good place to be is that it's like, do your best. But if you don't do something, don't beat yourself up because then it's counterproductive, right? Like, oh, I didn't do my gratitude today. Or I didn't meditate. Oh, I'm such a failure. Why would I? I'm not committed. And it's like, it completely does the opposite. And I think that's what happens too in the personal development world nowadays. It's like this, it's like a guilt if you don't do it. 
And mm. it's really like, oh, whatever, you know, like don't beat yourself up. It's not a big deal. Just start tomorrow. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so true for me. So if, are you into the Enneagram at all? The which? Enneagram. Have you heard no. of the personality test Enneagram? Okay. No. So Enneagram is a popular personality test right now and it's based on nine different types. It's kind of like, I mean, some people compare it to like Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or something like that. I'll, don't worry. I'll send you the test after this so we can sure. figure out your type. I'm a type eight, which is the challenger. And the challenger is, uh, well, first of all, extremely alpha and kind of masculine. <laughs> like you don't meet too many women that are eights. Um, and eights basic desire is to not be controlled. And their basic fear is to be controlled. And because of that, what most eights do is they primarily control a lot. (laughs) So when you said that, that really resonated with me because I find that I I try to control all the outcomes for sure. And what's been interesting for me is my, a lot of my life, like I found a journal from when I was seven years old where I was setting goals for myself of like, must run around the house five times per day, must read books for 15 minutes per day. Like that has been my life, my entire life. Mm-hmm. I remember even in high school, I'd go to camps, like summer camps. And I'd be like, I'm doing an ab challenge. I do 10 minutes of abs every night. And all of my friends would be like, Janelle, we're at camp for the week. Why can't you just chill? And I'm like, got to do my ab challenge. And so I've always been someone who creates challenges. And I think that's really cool. I'm always creating reading challenges and working out challenges and every challenge you can think of, I've done it. And what I've been doing the last few months is not setting any challenges for myself. And that has been the ultimate challenge of like, I'm not going to measure how much I read every day. I'm not going to measure how like for Instagram, I like to do a lot of Instagram fasts and social media fasts mm. in general. So before I was doing like one week off Instagram or one time I did three months off Instagram. Like I, I like to always find new challenges. And for some people, that's really good. Some people really need that. For me, because I'm constantly doing that, it was almost a way to take away my flow state and to put myself in a constant box. And so now I've just been taking my tight grip off of all of that and being like, let's just see how it goes. And I find that I'm, I'm reading more or like not feeling guilty if I don't read. And my morning routines, they used to be really strict. Like this needs to happen, then this, then this, then this, then this. Now I'm like, well, sometimes I meditate in the morning and sometimes I journal and sometimes I read the Bible and sometimes I just go on a walk. You know, there yeah. is always different and that's okay. It doesn't always have to be this stringent mm. routine. Uh, And with social media, for example, I'm finding now that I'm not putting strict parameters on my black and white, like time on, time off, time on, time off. Sometimes I'll just forget about Instagram for about three days. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, I've been on Instagram for a few days. I guess I'll pop on there. And so I think I've gone to that place where I can allow myself, but it it takes more intention for me to flow instead of to set goals because I'm such a, like, I'm such a goal setter. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's a great test too to figure out because I think there's people that are completely on the opposite side of that too, right? And I find myself more of that of I need to do more of that kind of structure because I can kind of be like, ah, well, whatever. Yet it serves me, yet there's times where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could be a little bit smarter with time and that. So I like that. I think we need to be self-aware of, you know, where where we really focus on and to have that balance because 
um, you know, there's definitely people that could benefit from more structure. But then again, on the opposite side where it's like, I see people like, I got to do like this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm like, that's great. But it's like, right. Just like you're saying, it's nice to have that. And because you have the intention, like you, you know, you're where you're going. And sometimes it's just letting go of like the day to day of like all the little things that kind of to see like how things flow. Right. Totally. And, and that's why I think the Enneagram is really helpful because yeah. I think when people take that, it does help you understand, okay, am I a little bit more of a rigid and structured person and I get to learn how to be more flexible, which is where I'm at? Or am I someone who's a little more loosey-goosey and maybe my MO is to kind of be, I, I don't want to say this like in a rude way, but unorganized or just kind of like see how things happen. And maybe those people need a little bit more structure. Mm. So forever is listening. I think that's a great question to ask yourself. Are you super structured and you get to learn how to let go? Or are you a little too loosey goosey and maybe a little more structure would, would support you in your life? I love how you say get, I love your language because how we speak is so, it's so important. Like the yeah. subtleties. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that. I, I noticed it. A lot of my clients will be like, I need to do this. I need yeah. to do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't need to do you anything. To. You get yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's so true. Those little, those small little ways, the way we speak make a huge difference. I, um, I, I kind of want to get into a little bit of your backstory. So like, how did you get into all this stuff? I know that you help women grow confidence and all that, but that wasn't what you've always done. Walk us through a little bit of how you kind of got to this place today. Totally. So growing up, I, I think when I was really young, I wanted to be famous. That was my big thing. I was like, I want to be an actor or a model. I, I wanted to be Mary-Kate and Ashley. Actually, I thought I had a twin out there. So I would look for her everywhere. It was really weird. <laughs> I'm like, where is my twin? Every time I go to camp, I just like, I couldn't find her. Anyway, um, awesome. but in all seriousness, something that I really struggled with growing up was a lot of really dark thoughts. And, you know, I, I started to think like, really where it comes from is I felt like an outsider. I was homeschooled. I was Christian. I was, I don't know. I think I, I just had all these things that I felt like I was different than everyone else. And I didn't feel like I fit in. And a lot of that was a story that I created for my own life. And so, um, the more I created that story, the more I held onto it as my truth that I didn't belong here, that kids didn't like me or I wasn't cool enough or I wasn't smart enough. And gosh, there are just so many limiting beliefs that I really clung to. And as that happened, that's why I started to think darker thoughts. I started to think, well, you know, if I weren't around, then people would probably miss me. Or if I disappeared, then maybe people would start talking about me. And so it was really a need for attention. It was a need for validation because I wasn't finding it um, within myself. I wasn't finding it from a, from a greater source. Um, so within that, I actually started to think about killing myself and I knew it was not good to do. You know, I was like, okay, this is really bad. I, I shouldn't kill myself but I liked the idea of disappearing. And um, from there, what I started to think is like, well, what if I were to die of a natural cause? What if I, like no one could be mad at me if I died of a natural cause. And so this is all like really morbid, you know, like mm -hmm. I, it's, it's very strange to still talk about. 
Um, because for a long time, I didn't even realize this was happening because a lot of it was pretty subconscious. I wasn't, I wasn't putting it out there or anything. It was all happening in my brain late at night kind of thing when I was going to bed at night. Um, but I started to fabricate a story that I was going to die in a car accident. And in my mind, I was going to die in a car accident sometime in my mid twenties. I remember thinking it will, it's got, it's probably going to happen before I, I get married or before I have kids. I don't want anyone to be impacted by my death too poorly. But what I would do, Lance, is I would, I was thinking about like, who would come to my funeral? What would they say about me at the funeral? And I would fantasize in a very creepy way about who, like what would happen at my funeral. Like I pictured it being, I pictured it being packed and I pictured, you know, people crying and just missing me. And it was, it's just so strange, you know, but that's really where I was at. And so I held on to that lie of thinking that I was going to die in a car accident in my mid twenties. Lance, I held onto that lie for almost eight years. It was from when I was about like 13 to 14 to, to 22. And so because of that, I, I wasn't really making big decisions for my life. Like I would talk a really big talk, but I wasn't walking a big walk because your beliefs lead to your thoughts, your thoughts lead to your actions and your actions lead to your results. So for anyone who's listening, if you're not getting a result, you want a certain area of life, look at your belief system around what's possible for you in that area. For me, my belief system was that I was supposed to die and that my life wasn't worth very much. My my life wasn't very valuable. So my results was that I was spinning my wheels, right? I was like a hamster on a wheel, just going through the motions. I didn't really care what I picked for my college degree. I didn't really care too much who I was dating. Like literally I would use my death as a cop out because I'd be like, well, I dated the same guy for six years from 16 to 22. And I I would think about breaking up with him because I knew we weren't that great of a fit, but I'd be like, this is so bad. I would be like, well, he'll find out when I die, you know, like then I don't have to break up with him. It was like this cop out system for never having to make choices for my life so I could live in a live in indecision. Um, so I was doing that for quite some time. I told a few people about this, this dark lie that I was believing. And the few people that I told were basically so freaked out that they, they were like, Oh my gosh, Chanel, don't think like that. That's horrible. Don't, don't even say that. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, you're right. That is really horrible. I shouldn't say that out loud. So then I just started to stuff it down. Right. Then I just didn't talk about it. And it wasn't until I was about 22 And there were some mentors of mine through my church that I had built a really solid relationship with. So they really knew me. And it was one night that I was over at their house and we were, the three of us were just having a heart to heart and it ended up coming out. I don't remember how it came out, just kind of spilled out. And for the first time in my life, the husband and wife, the husband, he said, do you picture everyone at your funeral? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you picture what they say about you? And they're crying. I'm like, yes. And he was like, Janelle, I used to have that also. I used to fantasize about dying and how people would miss me. And he's like, he, he basically, like, it was the first time someone could say me too. It was the first time someone could actually resonate with my quote unquote crazy thoughts. And he was able to speak life into my life in a totally different way because he had walked that walk and because he had been in that dark place with me at some point in his life. And he just, he said, your life was made for a purpose. And those dark thoughts are trying to hold you back from taking action because if you're truly built for something incredible, which I truly believe that every human being is made for something incredible, we're all made for a purpose. Our purpose all looks different, but we all have a unique purpose here on on earth. 
And so he, when he explained that to me, it was like something totally shifted. And I was like, wait, that makes so much sense. I actually was made for something really incredible. I was actually made for something really big. And of course, these, this, you know, this darkness would want nothing more than to hold me back from pursuing this greater calling. So after that night, I walked away truly believing for the first time that my life matters and that I could do whatever I want. That's, you know, incredible. And the thing is, though, is that I know that kids, we all have these dark thoughts growing up, but it's like we don't talk about them. Like it's, it's like such a taboo thing. I mean, I don't know if, if you know, people have it to that extent, but I know, I, I know I've had thoughts like that. I've had the same sort of thoughts, just like you're talking about, not to the, like that, the, to the depth of that, but there's definitely been times and there's, we are interesting creatures. We have weird thoughts. We have different thoughts, you know, our shadow side. That's, it's, it's the way it is. And we got to be okay with that. It's like accepting that as the more we push it away and hide from it, the more I think it's going to try and, you know, mess with us and bringing that shadow to light is going to allow it to kind of be like, huh, okay. And it's really, yeah, the whole perspective about it, it just has to shift. And it's amazing how you're able to do that. So first, I want to go a little deeper with this is, have you discovered or unpacked like what caused that? Have you gone like, like, why do you think, why do you think you developed that? And yeah, I mean, walk us through what you think and like kind of some of the stuff that you, have you unpacked that? Or I mean, I have to an extent. I've, I mean, I've been to therapy, of course. I've had coaches. I've had so much mentorship speaking into uh, the different areas of my life. And I do try to go back and think. And, and like I said, I think I've come, you know, I, I've of course gone to different specific stories throughout my childhood that, that probably helped plant these seeds of self-doubt and these seeds of my life not mattering or wanting that validation. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, kind of like I said a little earlier, I I really think it's because I was wanting validation from others so badly that in my mind, if I went missing, that's how I could get my validation. And in a way, I almost played it as like a Joan of Arc type situation in my mind too. Like I was almost thinking of myself as like a martyr and that it was almost like my calling or my fate. Like, I don't know, you watch these movies. I, I think I just pieced together so many little things and put them together to create this story. But you see these movies of someone who's like, really impactful and they die from doing something like grand or something. I, I don't know. It's like, I thought that was supposed to be my life. I thought it was supposed to be something really grand almost, but at the same time I thought I should die at a young age. I don't know. It was so uh, crazy. Uh, so yeah, I guess like taking that story and, and that conversation with my mentors um, and just like you said, Lance, shining light into dark areas. That's one of my favorite things to encourage both men and women, but the women that I speak to in corporate America and I actually speak for high schoolers as well. Shining light into these dark areas helps the, the darkness lose its power over you because when you hold on to it by yourself, it feels really lonely and it feels very real. 
But when you say it out loud, it's not as scary, especially for someone who's very supportive and is there to encourage you and love on you and not make you feel bad for having your your scary thoughts because we all have them. And we all have them to different extents. I know mine was to a greater extent. And I actually think that's for a reason. I'm actually grateful that that happened because what it did is it propelled me to a totally different way of living my life and knowing that I'm not the only one's dark thoughts. The more I've shared this story on podcasts and on my speaking engagements, I've had people reach out to me from all over the world sharing that they've all, they also currently believe that they're supposed to die. Sometimes it's of cancer. Sometimes it's of a car accident. There's so many different stories we create along the way. If you had a loved one that died at a young age, then that can be a concern. Um, it can be so many different life experiences that then build up in our brain of like, this could be my story. And then you never want to talk about it because it's so creepy or yucky feeling to talk about out loud. And therefore it can actually really hinder you and it can really play with your mind and could really hurt you. So I'd rather just talk about it and get it out in the open. And that way other people can feel the freedom to do the same. Yeah. And because then people realize they're not alone. A lot of people think they're alone. They're like, I'm the only one going through this. And that's why it's important to be around, you know, people, you know, like-minded people because people that are willing to share, it just makes it easier for everybody to kind of deal with what they're dealing with because we're, we're all going through different things. And, you know, being on this show and hearing different stories and sometimes I'm like, wow, I just cannot believe this person's alive right now. Like, so then not to discredit my own story, but just makes me realize like, well, I'm not alone here. None of us are alone. We all have a story and it all matters. And it's just the ability that the more we tell it, the more the healing can start. And that's what I've noticed accidentally. <laughs> like the more we like, have these kind of conversations and talk about it, it, it really does help. So I think it's important for people to be able to be comfortable with speaking their truth and about their past and, and not being afraid what people think because that fear of just speaking it holds so many people back from so much. And it's just like this blockage. Talk about a block. Like it's just like, and that's so much can manifest from that too, like illness and long-term mm -hmm. sickness. And yeah, no, it's, it's such a powerful thing to be able to share, you know? Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on that is that, you know, I had a client um, that I was coaching a few, actually it was just a few weeks ago that we had this conversation and, and she was like, Janelle, I just don't feel like my story really matters. Like, I don't feel like mine is as crazy as other people's. I don't feel like mine's as dark or as whatever. And so if you're listening right now and you're kind of like, maybe you're on one side where you totally relate and you've had a lot of dark thoughts, or maybe you haven't wrestled with stuff like this. So you feel like your story maybe isn't significant. And I just want to challenge you that every single person listening, your story matters because you matter, because yeah. your life matters. And you were created with a purpose, whether that purpose is to be a mother or a father, or if that purpose is to change the world, you know, with a huge impact. Every life matters and what you're doing matters in your day-to-day -day life. And so even if you don't feel like you have some dramatic story, quote unquote, don't compare your story to my story. Once again, going back to that comparison conversation, yeah. because just because mine might sound more dramatic and you're like, oh, well, she had this crazy shift, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't really have a crazy shift. Your, your story still matters and it's really just uncovering what your story is and believing that it matters. You don't have to compare it to anyone else's. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe how many people say that their story doesn't matter and you, you, you ask them and you're like, what? 
how do you think that doesn't matter? Like what? How yeah, that's that- what happened with my client. I was like, well, <laughs> let's review your story. You've done like this happened and this happened. I'm like, your story is crazy and incredible and riveting and captivating and like life changing if you share this story. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what, yeah. And, and with, okay, so let's get into confidence. What is it? And what is the thing that allows people to shine and to step into that? And what is it? How do people like, what, how, why do people lack it? Unpack confidence for us because I know, <laughs> I know it's such a, it's such an important thing. And you know, the things that we do on a daily basis, how it can, how, how it can like build your confidence and yeah, walk us through confidence. I would love to like hear your definition and how you use it in your own life. Yeah. So to me, confidence is that deep rooted belief in who you are. I know for myself, I had a lot of uh, fake confidence for a really long time while I was believing all of those lies. And the fake confidence is like charismatic and happy and smiley. And, you know, there are people who are acting really confident that actually don't have confidence. They're just pretending like they do, but on the inside, they aren't happy with who they are. And so my definition of confidence, I guess I don't have like an exact definition, but it's believing to the core of who you are, despite what anyone else thinks, that your life matters and acting like you do, taking that action. So when I speak for corporations, I speak primarily for women in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, so male-dominated industries. And so when I speak for those women, you know, there, there's a lot of male influence around them, and that's part of what is the challenge, is feeling like the underdog. Mm-hmm. And so what I like to talk about is these five components to confidence. And so the first one is your mindset. And the second one is your posture and your vibe, because I think people forget that their energy can totally change a room. You know, you can meet the most attractive person in the world, but if they don't have the right energy, the right Mm. posture, they don't hold themselves well, then they're not as attractive, you know, or or you've met people who on the flip side, they might not be naturally as quote unquote attractive, like magazine cover, but as you get to know them, they're their vibe and the way they carry themselves, it's like, wow, this person's really attractive. So that's the second one is posture and vibe. The third one is taking risky action. And my belief, like I said before, there are so many people who are just talking the talk, like I used to talk a talk, but you got to walk the walk and you got to be willing to put yourself out there and, and, you know, fail forward. If you want to use that little fun quote, but you got to be willing to actually Try things that are hard and uncomfortable, and it's fun to talk about on a podcast or to listen to or ha- read in a book, but when you're actually going through it, it does. It sucks. It really sucks, and you got to be willing to take these crazy leaps of faith over and over and over again in order to build your confidence muscle. Mm. The fourth part is acquiring knowledge. I talk about acquiring knowledge, although primarily for women, 56% of People in college now are women, so there's more more women in college than men, yet only 22% of C-suite executives are women. So there's this disparity between all these women who are going and getting education, yet not as many in leadership in the workplace. And so that's what I want to help change is you could do really, you could have all the knowledge in, in your 
brain. You know, you can have all the other credentials, you can have numerous PhDs, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you aren't willing to take that risky action, or if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have those other components, you're not going to get anywhere. That's why so many, like probably most of you have heard this quote or this statistic, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Men will apply for jobs that they're 60% qualified for, whereas women will only apply for jobs that they're 100% qualified for because they don't trust themselves to figure out that extra 40%. And that's why confidence is so important because you've got to be able to trust yourself to figure it out along the way instead of it being A plus B plus C equals D. That's why women do so well in school because it's a lot more... um, you know, perfection-based. It's less on your feet or, you know, acting quickly. And that's what you need in the workplace is to be able to act on your feet, make change, have innovation, be able to pivot. And then the fifth part to confidence is looking good. And I always put that in there because I think looking good is a piece of it. I don't want to negate that. Of course, feeling good in your skin and being healthy and um, having, you know, swag. My husband and I always talk about like, bring your swaggiest self. How can you be your swaggiest self? And um, so having that is really important. But once again, most men and women put way too much emphasis on how they look, right? Their body and their skin and their hair and their outfits and it's only one small little piece of the equation of confidence. I love that. That's so true. I love how you, those five different things, because there are a lot of people that think that put too much into like the appearance side of things, you know, the fake it till you make it kind of thing. And I do think it's important. Nothing feels better than when you're doing the right thing and you're, you know, you get a nice, you know, you're looking good, you're feeling good. I'm, I'm a big believer of that, but it's only one piece and it's, but yeah, it's, it's, it can be definitely powerful at kind of getting, having that swag just as like the icing on the cake, right? <laughs> like it's, um, I was, I was listening to your, one of your podcast episodes and you were also talking about, um, um, uh, imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of us men, women suffer from this. And I, th- for me, I think there needs to be a certain level. And I've talked about this. I think if you're going to do something different, something that challenges you, you need a, almost a little bit of that. I don't like the word because it just like makes me feel icky a little bit. I don't even like the word icky. I don't know why I said that, but uh, <laughs> it makes me, you know, it makes me like uh, the word imposter syndrome just, just gives a, a weird vibe, but I know it's, it's highly, it's talked about a lot. What are your thoughts on that? And, you know, do you see that happening a lot in the space that you're in? Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, I experience imposter syndrome on a regular basis, like you said. And it, so, so there's something called pluralistic ignorance. And the pluralistic in- ignorance basically means we all are individually doubting that we know what we're doing, but we think that everyone else has it figured out. Mm. And so um, I think we're all going through that to an extent in different areas of our life, whether that, that might be your career, that might be your relationship with your significant other that could be health and fitness it doesn't it doesn't matter we all experience this in different areas of our life and the two ways to combat it one is to just talk about it right to be like hey i'm feeling like i don't like how is this my life or how am i the leader of this or how am i doing this and and being willing to be humble enough to bring that darkness into the light and then the other piece is to revisit positive information or positive feedback that you've gotten because that's a way to remind yourself of how awesome you actually are and to keep coming back to the truth so if the limiting belief is well i'm not very smart the truth 
is you are smart. You might not have a degree if that's like some people don't have a degree and they think, oh, I'm not smart enough. Well, you don't need a degree to have the golden crown of smart. So it's creating a new truth for yourself and revisiting that truth over and over and over again so that you create a new pathway in your brain as opposed to the old pathway, which keeps saying, I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, and lastly, I think it is a good thing if you're feeling some of this imposter syndrome or you're feeling a little bit of this, holy crap, is this even my life? I, I don't know. I think it's good. I think that there's probably some positive to that. I feel like that a lot of times at my speaking engagements. I'm like, how is like, I don't know. I'm like from a podunk town in Colorado, Greeley, Colorado. It's like Cowtown, USA. And I don't know. Like, I just know my story. And I'm like, how am I speaking for all these powerful women right now? It's, it's crazy. And it's awesome. And I think it's coming back to, this is one of my strengths. Speaking is one of my strengths. There are so many things that I, that aren't my strengths. They're my weaknesses, or as I like to call them, my lesser strengths. And um, we all have strengths and we all have lesser strengths. And so just do what is your strength and you're going to, you're going to shine. Your gifts are, are what people want and my gifts are what people want. And Lance, your gifts, like if we all acted out of our gifting, the world would be a better place. How do you help people identify what their gift is? You know, because there's a lot of people that, I mean, you see them and you're like, don't you see yourself? Don't you know that how good you are at this? But they don't. Is there any way that you unpack that for people? Because that I see is like a huge problem. Not a problem, but an issue, you know, like that, that a lot of people struggle from. Totally. Um, for me, personality tests are really big. So yeah. something I love is like, I like to take the Myers-Briggs, the Strength Finders, and the Enneagram. And if I'm wanting to make a big decision, I'll sit down and I'll write out everything from those three things. It'll, it'll list out, you know, like, you're naturally good at this or you like to do this. And I'll, I'll write out like pages. And I'm like, okay, so communication, that's, one of, that's my top strength and, and this. And, and then I, it helps me make decisions based on, on who I am. And I know they're just personality tests. I know that they're not like set in stone. And some people hate personality tests. That's okay too. But for me, it's a way to review who I am because I don't have a boss. You know, I don't really have like positive feedback to review from my boss from our last time we sat down together. Um, so for me, I kind of have to figure out my own ways to validate myself. And most people, I think that's the healthiest way is to find ways to validate yourself instead of always looking for validation from someone else. Mm -hmm. So I would say those tests are really helpful. And then I also think, like I've mentioned numerous times, writing down your limiting beliefs and then writing out the truth and keep validating that truth. And from there, I don't think you can make a wrong decision. It's not like, yes, you are made with a purpose. And a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves. Like, I got to figure out this purpose, this, this one purpose of mine. Well, you know, my story is like, I was a nanny and then I was, a, I was working at Hollister and then I was a floral designer and then I became a wedding planner and then I went to school for interior design and then I was in hospitality, kind of like you were saying you were in the hospitality industry. I actually majored in hospitality management and business. I thought I wanted to be an event planner. Turns out I actually just like to go to events because I'm extremely extroverted, right? Let's go back to those personality tests. They'll tell me that. I don't want to be the planner. Are you freaking kidding? I want to be speaking on the stages. I want to be the center of attention. Sorry, I used to feel guilty about that, but now I don't. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. But like, look at what your personality is and see what you like and then keep trying things and they'll, they'll end up pushing you 
closer and closer and closer. So then after my degree, I worked at a tech company for two years as the executive assistant to the owner. And then I realized, okay, I love, you know, it's, it's taking each job. I think this is another great activity. If someone's listening and they're wanting to know this, take each job you've done and say what you really loved about each one and then what you didn't like about it. So for me at the tech company, I was like, I love that I have freedom. I love that they don't micromanage me. I love that I'm basically working whatever hours I feel like working. What I don't love, I hate sitting at a desk all day. I hate not talking to people. I want to have more interaction with human beings. And, and so just do that with your different jobs and you'll keep getting closer and closer to what you want. So then I became a personal trainer. <laughs> and then after that, I launched my company because I realized I cared about helping women build confidence, not just with their body. That's why I became a personal trainer was to help with the body piece, but because I wanted to help them with their mind and their body at the same time and a more holistic view. So yeah, that was really rambly. But what I was trying to say is like, if you have, if you try 20 different jobs before you get to your dream job, that's okay. And then my, my, my job might change again. I might not, you know, I might not be doing this forever. I might find something else and that's okay too. Be, be kind to yourself, be curious don't be afraid to try new things and enjoy the journey of trying a thousand things till you get there. You may have thought that was rambly. That was gold because there were, to be able to go and look at your jobs, this, I'm going to do this too. You just resonated with me very, very much there is that you go back and you look at your jobs and the things that you've done and what did you like about them? I love that because there's a reason we did it in the first place. There's a reason we left. And I think if you get curious about those things, that's kind of the piece of the puzzle because it got to you, got you where you were today. And there's always something you learn or somebody you met or something very positive that comes out of it. Right. And I think that's really the key at figuring out what your path is, because if you don't try things, how are you going to know? And what I find interesting is I heard this quote the other day. It's like somebody said, it's the thing that you used to get in trouble with from the teacher that is usually like what you end up having to do. Like for me and for you, I bet you would, I used to get told to be quiet because I would just talk, yes. talk. And, and then, so like we're, we're, we're like told, hey, stop it. Go still stand in there, stop talking. And you're like literally telling the kids, stop being you, like stop doing what you love to do. And so we think, oh no, I got to be quiet now. Right? Like it's, it's such wow, a- Wow, mic drop. That was so true. I was just on my podcast recording someone literally right before this. And I was telling her how I always would get kicked out of the classroom for talking too much. And I have to go sit in the hallway until the class is over or whatever. I'd get like these timeouts for all my talking. <laughs> You're so right. That's amazing. Yeah, we would have been trouble if we were in the same class. It would have just been like- <laughs> Like when the substitute teacher came in, it'd be like, now I've heard that Janelle and Lance are not allowed to sit next to each other. Janelle, you go sit on that side of the room. Lance, you'll be on that side of the room. We're like, oh man, he remembered to write it in the notes. Dang it. Yeah. I, and I was always the one for the, the, the brief time I went to college to do marketing. I was always one that I loved doing the present, the presentations because that was just where I felt comfortable. I, I was like, do all the work, please. I'll do the presenting. <laughs> like I just, it was just something that, yeah. And I, I remember just t always being put in detention for talking too much or, you know, it's just like, and it's crazy because kids growing up there, everybody has a different skill or different um, talent. And I don't think that that is identified enough. I think we're all, I mean, this is a, everybody talks about this now, but you know, kids are just kind of put into the same 
program and it's like, you got to do this or this. And it's like, well, what if you don't fit into that? Then you're going constantly your, your whole life kind of being like, well, do I belong? Like, what do I do? I'm told I can't do this. So like you're developing that, right? Like you're developing that like lack, that's a lack of confidence there because somebody's shooting down what you're actually, what you love to do. And that, right. Right. And that catches up with you later when you start to unpack like our wiring of our brains. Right. right Cause you create the lie. Like I'm not very smart because you weren't good at test taking. Like I was horrible at test taking. Same. And so I thought I wasn't smart or like I'm really quote unquote bad at reading. I like to say I'm a slow reader and I actually read every single word, whereas most mm. people skim and I don't really enjoy skimming. So it takes me, if I'm reading a book with someone next to me, like a page, they can read at least doubly faster than I can. Mm. And um, I think, let's see, it was like the four hour work week. Tim Ferriss talks about how to skim quicker. And I'm like, maybe that works for some people, but I just don't, I like to retain information. I like to go slow and study through the book. And so my tests, I was always like the last person to finish a test or I wouldn't, I couldn't even finish in time. You know, like the bell would ring and I'd be like, I have 10 questions left. I'm just going to have to fill in random bubbles. That was always me. And I thought that there was something wrong with me. And then I've had some people be like, well, you probably have ADHD or you probably have dyslexia. And, and my probably do, who knows? Yeah. But I, I, I guess for me personally, I don't feel the need to go like diagnose that from a doctor because I don't really want to use that as a crutch. I just would rather acknowledge who I am and I'm a little bit slower at reading and I'm a little bit, I guess I don't work in a normal classroom and that's okay. I was the exact same way. I'm, I'm, maybe it's our personality and like that makes me feel better because maybe that's a common thing with personalities like ours that are like outgoing. It's harder to really like tests were brutal for me. I was always like, why am I taking? So I was always the last one, always having to race through and, and, you know, just, just like, you know, pray for some sort of result. And it was never good. It was never a good result. <laughs> and, and like you say, even reading for me is a challenge. Also, I've talked about this. It's like, I don't know how people speed read. I don't. And that's why for me, I love audiobooks because I can listen to them and do stuff. And I, I love reading because it does get me into like, if I read and I start my day reading and doing, you know, the things writing, then I'm way more focused in my day. So it does help me. But it's, it is challenging. It's, it's, it's like, especially retaining the information and just going over it. It's like, how do people speed read this stuff? It's crazy to me. I, I've always been in the same thing. I've always wondered like, what's, what's wrong with me? Do I have some sort of thing? And you're right. It's like, I don't really care. I've gotten by, but I am curious on like why that is. Yeah. Well, when I was a personal trainer, I remember one of my clients, uh, I kept telling her over the course of numerous weeks and months about how to win friends and influence people. I was like, I'm reading this personal development book. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I remember one time I bring it up and she goes, Janelle, you've been reading that book for like three months. And I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> I'm reading it, okay? What do you want from me? I'm reading a book. Like, this is a big deal for me. Because uh, after college, I was like, I will never read a book again. I freaking hate reading. Um, but I don't hate reading. It's just that my brain doesn't quite work like that. I don't like reading at a quick pace. So anyway, she was like, you know, you really, you might have dyslexia. And I was like, no, 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 I don't read things backwards. And she said, well, just because you don't read things backwards, she said, my daughter has dyslexia. And what it is, is like the brain has a harder time putting words together to make sense in the brain. And so she said, you can read lots of different words in a row, but you're having a hard time making sense of them in your brain. 
I don't know if I'm, I don't even know if I'm making I, sense right I, now. I totally get it. You get that? And so what I used to do when I would test take is I remember I would underline keywords with my pen. And if it was one of those tests where you had to actually turn the test part back in because they want to reuse it for the next people, I had to use a pencil and erase my lines because I would underline keywords so I could make sense of the sentence so I could answer it properly. And I think, mm -hmm. so when she said that, I was like, well, you know, I probably do have dyslexia then if that's, if that's like the modern version of dyslexia, it's not just reading backwards. It's just having a harder time creating the sentence in your head to resonate. Hearing this makes me feel better now because like it's making, you know, just talking about this stuff, here we go. Like real life stuff of like bringing this out because sometimes we think we're alone in this stuff. Right. And this is what I struggle with. And my team knows it too, is that for me, I, if I was going to write a book, I would have to speak it out. Like I would have, like, and it happens with me when I'm trying to write copy too. Like if I have to write copy, I can speak out what I'm saying, but it's hard for me to take what I'm saying and put it into like on to write it out sometimes as, as to what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it's a challenge. So it's easy for me to communicate that way. Like I can talk, but like sometimes doing, being able to talk and like write it out in the same way has been challenging for me. And typing wow. it especially, like I always have to write things out. Like I'm old school. I can't, like I don't, <laughs> like I literally am still like typing things out to the process of like my thought is really difficult. If you could literally see my desk right now, I have this sticky note with notes here. Yeah. I have this sticky note <laughs> yeah. with this note here. I have this journal with notes here. I'm not even kidding you. I have this yeah. journal with notes right here. I, I'm the exact same way. I, I write everything by hand. And with responding to messages, I love responding with a voice message, Me like the voice to text or a voice message. And anytime I have to rewrite a long email, I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. A long email. What do I do? I reread it a bunch and I, I'm yeah. like, yeah, wow, this is so interesting. This is fascinating. Yeah, because I think that it's, I bet you, it's more of an issue for most people than we think. It's another thing that isn't brought out and talked about enough because we're adults and we think, oh, well, we've all, you know, a lot of people have gone to school, a lot of people have done this and that, but I bet you there's a lot of people struggling with their own little things, their own sort of limit, limiting things that happen when it comes to these sort of topics, especially in the world where we're so, it's such a techie world. I know that like it's held me back a lot and even trying to find my way around through tech and like Google Drive. It's like, it's not easy for me. Some people are like, what? so easy mm. i'm like yeah this it's it's easy for me to have a conversation like this which may be hard for you but right. like but like when it comes to doing things that seem easy to other people it's like it's it's challenging for me and i'm like is that does that mean we need to lean into it more even though it's it's like a super uncomfortable process or do we just sort of go all right look i'm going to just focus on what i'm good at and save time that way instead of trying to learn the things that i'm really struggling with you know there's that dance too what are your thoughts on that I think it's a both and. I think if I'm not good at something, so for reading, for example, Audible has basically saved my life. Yeah. Um, and I listen to primarily Audible books instead of reading books. But I still, I think there's a part of me that enjoys a good challenge. So I'm like, okay, even though you're a slower reader, it's probably good for you to work that portion of your brain, even though it's not natural for you. So I do believe in delegating work tasks that you're not naturally good at. I do believe in acting out of your strengths. And if there's anything that, you know, you or I or anyone listening, if, you, if it's something that you're not naturally good at, 
but it needs to be done by you at this current time. Like there are certain things right now that I can delegate to my team. And there are certain things that I, I don't have a big enough team yet to delegate every single thing that I'd like to. So some of the things that I'm not quote unquote naturally good at, I get to get better at because as of right now, I'm building my own brand. And, and one thing I learned with building a brand is sometimes if you give away, uh, if you try to delegate too quickly, but you haven't put your fingerprints all over it, they, they kind of like someone else can take it a totally different direction than what you had, ex- what you had expected mm. because you didn't, you didn't communicate it properly because you have never done it. So that was like my website at first. I like delegated my website out, but I didn't communicate well about what I wanted and I wasn't happy with the result. And I was like, wait, this is not at all what I wanted it to look like. But it's because I hadn't yet put some of my own time and energy and thought and love into it. And so once I did do that, then I delegated it out and I took the the bones that I had and they, you know, it was like green slant, shout out to green slant. It's actually Grant Cardone's um, old marketing team. And they built my website and they did a tremendous job. And yeah, I mean, they, they took the bones that I had created myself and they made it awesome. And that's what I think sometimes you have to do is put your own fingerprints on it before you delegate it. I can agree so much on that. And, and you really, yeah, you got to kind of get your, your hands dirty on the stuff and sort of learn it all first before you're getting other people to do it. And that's, I've, I've experienced that. It's, it's like, you got it. You have to, you have to know. And a, a website is prime example. I'm still in a process of doing website. It's like you have a vision, you expect somebody else to kind of guess that vision and you really need to be, to get in there and, 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 and do your research on what do you want it to look like? How do you want it to feel? Somebody, that is such a process of finding out who you are, who you're speaking to. And like that, because you need that congruency because you can really confuse people if it's not, if you're not really true of like, well, who am I? Who do I want to represent here? Like somebody else that sees you may see you differently. And then you get upset because you don't, they can't see the way you see. And, and it's like, you really need to get in there and figure it out just like you said and i'm i'm going through that right now it's it's like i don't want to but i'm like okay i really need to like i got to get in there and otherwise they can't do their jobs and the vision can't come to life so super important as an entrepreneur all you guys listening out there it's like before you guys delegate things make sure you're you're taking an effort and digging in and really trying to learn it yourself first and then you know hiring people out because i definitely made that mistake for sure Right. And even if it's not your strength, that's, that's kind of the main thing is like, ultimately we want most of our time to be put towards things that are the strengths. But I assume probably no matter where we're at in life, that there are some things that aren't our strengths that we still are getting to put our time towards. And it doesn't need to be perfect. It's just the intention of getting better and getting better and getting better. And I think it works a different part of the brain. I remember when I was in college, I was taking like, I was taking actually chemistry and I hated chemistry. And (laughs) I remember talking, yeah, the worst. (laughs) And I was a hospitality. I was like, why do I need this? It was like, well, this is the intro class to your baking class. I was like, do I need (laughs) chemistry to be able to bake? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Um, so that was stupid. But anyway, I remember being so mad that I had to take chemistry because it was so worthless in my mind. But I was talking to one of my dad's friends who he has his PhD in philosophy from Cornell. So he's very smart. And he was basically telling me, Janelle, has it ever occurred to you that maybe 
taking chemistry could be good for your brain because even though it's not your natural and even though it's really hard for you, it's working a totally different part of your brain that wouldn't be worked otherwise. And if you never work it, it's kind of like a muscle. It would become atrophied. And I was like, that's such a good point. So I feel like anytime I now have to do something that I really don't enjoy or I'm not naturally good at, um, but it's a part of my life for whatever reason at that current time, I'm like, well, this is cool. I got to work a part of my brain I haven't worked before. How neat is that? Like my brain is getting better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. If everybody wants to find out more about you and work with you, what do you got going on? Where can they find you? Yeah. So if you work in a STEM corporation or really any uh, corporate woman and you're looking for someone to speak for your guys' organization to help the women build confidence, overcome imposter syndrome, et cetera, um, you can reach out to me for corporate speaking. Or if you're looking for one-on-one coaching, I do one-on-one confidence coaching for women. And so the best place to find me is nextlevelconfident.com. And you can shoot me an email. That's the best way to find me. You can find me on Instagram. I am there. I, I try to, I'm not there as much, especially after watching the, the social dilemma. Your girl is definitely creating more and more social media boundaries. So email would be definitely the best place to reach me. Yeah, I think that's a great point for everybody. Um, also your podcast. Oh, pfft. Yeah. yeah, my and podcast. Come on. Level. We never even got to talk about that. Well, we might have to do another one. We might have to I do know. We've gone down so many rabbit holes that I love <laughs> yeah. it. This has been like the most natural organic conversation. It's awesome. Yes, awesome. my podcast is the Next Level Confident Podcast. And yeah, we talk about all things mindset, practical tools for the workplace and for at home. I love relationship conversation because I just got married a year ago. I love talking about that kind of stuff. And really all life things. I'm very passionate about the holistic approach. What is one lesson that adversity has taught you to end this off? Ooh. One lesson that adversity has taught me is that it's okay to be imperfect and it's okay to be messy and it's okay to keep taking action even when it's messy and even when it's not perfectly planned out. Just keep going through it. Just keep going, keep falling on your face and getting back up because being perfect sucks. No one really is attracted to perfection anyway. So be imperfect and get through the crap that way. Love it. So good to have you on. This is so much fun. I appreciate it. Right back at you, Lance. This was awesome. You rock. Thanks, you too. And and like I said, it's I always say this. I've been saying it a lot lately is like my one hour is just not long enough for like, especially a couple chatterboxes like us. Like we could talk for like hours. <laughs> it's like, Everyone is long gone from this podcast. No one is listening anymore. It's literally just me and you. Yeah. And that's totally fine. We are officially kicked out of the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll make sure we have everything in the show notes for them to check you out. And I love what you're doing. Um, you're a great speaker, by the way. Uh, it's very captivating. And, you know, I think it's so important what you're doing. So keep it up. Again, thank you so much. Thank you, Lance. And thank you for everyone who took time out of their day to listen to this podcast today. It really does mean a lot to us. And we appreciate you first and foremost. Mm, Well said. Love you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, everybody. Again, if you guys haven't, hit the subscribe button on Apple. Subscribe whatever platform you're on. If you can leave a review on Apple, it's greatly appreciated. As well, on the video, head over to YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. I love seeing the subscribers pour in. Just it's we want to take this thing next level and I know we will but 
just, I need your help. And it's the one thing I ask. The podcast is free. I give all this stuff for free. And I just ask in return that if you can, please leave us a review and please subscribe because it just, those little things mean a lot. And at the end of the day, it's to help grow the show. The more we do that, we come together as a team here at University of Adversity, as a tribe, the more that we can get into the lives of millions of people, which is my goal. So love you guys. Appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.